0: Welcome to Lay Podcast, where guest speakers visit every Thursday night. Don't forget to follow for new contact every week. To experience a full encounter with Christ, visit Holy Name of Jesus Catholic Church at 1977 West Jefferson Boulevard, Los Angeles, California, and call 818-745-1771 or visit SoWearLate.com for more information. Danny, for that amazing prayer. You know, as he was praying, the two the two main points that came to me were peace and love. So, with those two, um, you know, I I pray that the message that God has put um, in my heart tonight, um, it is a message that can inspire and and um, help all of you guys um, and see that um, God chose and loves each and every one of you guys. And if you're here, it's for a reason. Um, It's meant to be. And with that, I want to start by introducing myself. My name is Deberlin Tuitea, I'm married. My husband's sitting front row. (laughs) Um, We have um, a beautiful son. He's eight years old, his name is Tanu. Um, we're high school sweethearts. Took us a long time, but finally <laughs> decided to get married. We got married last year, um, and we were blessed with the um, the holy sacrament of matrimony. Um, and sorry if I'm nervous. I I usually get stage fright. Um, <laughs> I'm social, but I don't like. Getting in front of people and talking, it makes me really nervous. But a brother told me today when I came, everybody here is family. So don't be nervous. <laughs> so it took a lot um, for me to get up here and talk. Um, I was actually, I know it was called by God because uh, I remember last week when I came to, or uh, the week before that, sorry, when I came to Sora L.A., um, I remember getting there early. I usually always get here because uh, some of you guys don't know, I live in Summerdino, so it takes me about like an hour, 15 or something to make it over here. And I always get here like right in the nick of time, like 727, 728 like right one minute before because I have a bad habit of being late to everywhere I go. <laughs> My loved ones know this about me. If it's only two things that I am ever on time for, and it's never early, it's just on time, um, is work <laughs> and so like. <are> LA. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I remember when um, I, I told God, you know, okay, I want to follow you. I want to do this. I want to be accountable. Um, I, before I, I, I give my testimony, I kind of want to talk about the reason why i um, I even stumbled upon So We're LA. Um, before I got here, I remember I was seeking things um, in English because my faith was first started um, in Spanish. I'm a Catholic by tradition. And I know a lot of you guys hear people say Catholic by tradition. And I kind of want to elaborate on that because I don't want to give it a a negative connotation or say, if you're Catholic by tradition, it's not enough, you're not worthy. Um, What I mean by Catholic by tradition is our parents instilled that faith, that seed, they planted it in us. When we were babies, they led us to the sacrament of baptism. Um, And through that, we saw them go to church, religiously in a routine, um, do prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Rosary, do our First Communion, do our sacraments. But what I mean by Catholic, by tradition, is that I feel like I was lacking, and I'm gonna say me personally, that encounter with God. One of the things that always stuck with me when I started um, these discipleship classes with Sora Lee was um, when Noel Diaz asked, I took it as if I was in class. Because um, so I like to be like a really straight-A student and try to get good grades. So everything I do, I always try to take it like I'm in class and someone's teaching me something. And in my mind when he was asking how many, I pictured him as a teacher and I was in the back sitting down and, and he asked, how many of you guys know of God? So, okay. How many of you guys know of God? <laughs> yes. So in my mind, I was like, yeah, I know of God. I know who he is i hear about him i i hear you know he does great things and but then he asked how many of you know god so then that hit me and it, it made me really emotional and sorry if maybe you know that i'm like sister daniela i'm very chillona so <laughs> i get really emotional when i talk about god because god has done so many great things for me in my life that it's, it's, it's such a, and when I like get emotional, it's not because I'm, I'm sad that it happened, but I get emotional because it's like, ah, like he did this for me, God, like i I'm not perfect, I'm no one, you know, we all say we're not worthy, but to him we're worthy, but what I mean in the sense is that I'm just an ordinary person in a regular day life, like you, like you, like everybody else, but if he did that for me, he can do it for you, too. He can do all things for you. Um, And when I get back to the the story about how I stumbled upon Sora Lake, I remember um, seeking teaching in English because between me and my husband, our common language is English, um, but I'm Mexican and he's Samoan, so at home, um, you know, I, I have my son in dual, so I'm teaching him Spanish, but then our common language at home is English and so I grew up everything about church in Spanish, and and I felt so connected in in prayer in Spanish, and it kind of was hard when I wanted to talk about God in English, because I kind of didn't know how to express myself. I always felt back to, I need to be in Spanish. I needed to start my walk in Spanish, And but knowing that God blessed me with this new opportunity, with this marriage, with, with my son, with another, you know, our common language is English, so he's, I didn't know it then, but he was pushing me now. To follow my faith in English. That it would be a message in the end for my son, for my husband, for a lot of people. You know, I connect in English. That's that. Now I see it before I didn't. But um, when I, before I came to Sower LA, I had seen, and this was like before I did the commitment. Um, I saw on Facebook, I mean on IG, Instagram, sorry, that they had posted a, a, a summer series with William King. He was gonna be the, the speaker of that series. And I, I heard the name and, I, and in my mind, I was like, William King, I'm like, wow, sounds like a, a powerful name, King, okay, I need to go, maybe this is interesting. The name drew me, King. But I, <laughs> I was still like, well, this is for my husband. I'm going to, I'm going to tell him to go because he connects in English, not me, you know? So then I said, okay, well, I'm going to invite him. And then I invited him and he was busy that day, unfortunately, but I said, well, I don't need to go. It's not for me. I connect in Spanish. So why, I don't need to be there. And I had, whenever God speaks to you, brothers and sisters, you're going to feel a tug, in your heart it's gonna be like this feeling where your heart feels like you're erasing you're nervous you're anxious you have anxiety you're like because something is is gonna come out and he's gonna fill it in with something else you know and so I and I remember hearing you know a voice tell me like just go just go so I said okay I'm gonna go and, and then I started complaining. Oh, my gosh, the drive is so long. Oh, my gosh, I'm in traffic. Oh, my gosh, L.A., why L.A., God? Why I got to come to L.A.? And then I get there, and, you know, it was a powerful testimony. And I know it was meant for me that day. And then comes the altar call, something I have never experienced in my life. I've gone to retreats before, and there's... Um, Holy Hour, and there's things like that, which um, I know I probably should have began with that, but now that it came back to my mind, (laughs) the topic of my message today is discovering God's plan in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, And when I had that altar call, you know, like everyone, I, I found myself afraid, like, okay, well, deacon doug's calling everybody up here everyone's gonna look at me and what if i cry people are gonna look at me crying and then what if i scream and then people hear me screaming and then they're gonna think what's wrong with her like she's got a lot of problems huh but you know god called me and and at that altar call he reminded me um of his grace of his love um uh Before I knew of Christ, um, I was a very stubborn person. And I took these definitions down because, like I said, I love to be a student. So when someone tells me a word, even though I feel like I know it, I need to look it up to reassure that what they're telling me is true. (laughs) And to kind of connect with the definition of it. Um, So stubborn means having or showing dog determination not to change one's attitude or position on something especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so and then i was like okay that was me but tell me more as so i read deeper and it said stubbornness is is when one is difficult to move when it's difficult for you to remove something from your heart, and when it's difficult to accept healing or something of being cured. And I was like, oh God, (laughs) yeah, that's me. (laughs) Um, I don't know why I found myself very stubborn. I know that uh, your walk with God is, 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 is a walk that's endless. You know, it's not something that you have one beautiful encounter and then that's it. You're perfect. Your life is set. Everything's fixed. No, it's, it's, a, it's a walk that he opens your heart to see where the pain has been. And that's just one part of the pain. And then he leads you to something else and then you discover another pain. And then it's like... Gosh, I didn't even know how much pain I truly had inside of me. And, and a lot of stuff we don't realize that a lot of adulthood pain that we carry with is childhood pain as well. You know, stuff that maybe we've been through as kids um, that maybe it was kind of hard at that time to understand to forgive and to forget those type of things. Um, so I was stubborn. I was very prideful. And prideful, I have the definition for that, too. <laughs> prideful is having an excessively high opinion of oneself, thinking too highly of oneself, conceited, arrogant, or overconfident. Now, don't get me wrong. When I read overconfident, I'm like, well, I thought it's good to be confident, isn't it? Isn't it good to be confident in yourself? But where I was wrong in is that I was seeking my personal confidence. It wasn't a confidence in God, and that's why I'm more than sure today, guys, because it speaks volumes. god to have that confidence no longer in yourself, but in something higher, a higher power, a soul being that, that gives you the confidence, for example, me, to stand up here and talk about God, you know? So aside from being prideful, I found myself being spiritually blind. Um, I didn't, I was very rebellious. Uh, I always, everything my mom told me, even though I was a good kid, I got good grades, I got, you know, I I didn't do drugs, I, I wasn't doing bad things. I wasn't listening. I didn't like anybody telling me what to do. And I always said, well, you're not going to tell me what to do. I'm gonna, If I want to do it, I'm still going to do it. And a lot of those things get you into bad situations <laughs> that we don't realize at that time because we're, again, we're seeking our own self guidance, our own overconfidence. We're arrogant. I'm arrogant. I'm stubborn. Um, And I always found myself angry because I felt like I was the black sheep of the family. Like my sisters and my brothers, everyone listened and then it came me and I was like, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna listen, I don't wanna go, I don't wanna do my confirmation for church. I don't wanna do this, I don't wanna do that. And my mom always had a hard time with me growing up even though like she said, you're a good kid but you just don't listen. (laughs) And so uh, I found myself unforgiving because (sighs) Sorry. (laughs) Like I said, the walk with God is a healing process. Um, I started to feel like I didn't belong. Like like I had to prove myself continuously to my parents, even though I had the grades. Um, I just didn't feel like I was um, valued, you know? Um... Not to get me wrong, my sister's amazing. She's great. But at that time, I saw it like, oh, well, she's the favorite child. Everyone likes her. She does whatever my mom says. She always says yes. She, um, she's very forgiving. She's very voluntarily. I was always like, I don't want to help. You know, even if it was stuff for church or stuff at school, I, I always said, why should I go and help other people when no one helps me? I always used to say that. Um, a lot of the stuff that I dealt with, not knowingly, were hurt, depression, fear, isolation. All of these factors come from the enemy. When you feel your weakest at a point of your life, it's like a little gap. You kind of give him a little space to get in slowly. You don't feel it. But he's creeping in, and he's giving you thoughts of, you don't need to be around people. You don't need those people. You you don't have to listen. You don't have to pray. You don't don't have to go to church. You don't need an encounter with God. They're wrong. You're right. You know? And um, those thoughts, when you're at your weakest point and you're hurt, there come those thoughts. Well you don't belong here. See, first he encourages you. You're right, you're right, they're wrong. It's them, not you. And then when you're weak, at your weakest point, he says, you don't belong here. You don't need to be here. Wouldn't it be easier if you just take your life away? Wouldn't it be easier if you just disappear? Cause then you won't feel the pain anymore. Then you're not gonna feel the attack of their voices all along while well, he's the main voice attacking you, you know? So at those times, those are the feelings I felt. And some of the the actions and the thoughts that I had at that time was, well, I'm fine. There's nothing wrong with me. Um, I don't need to have a relationship with God um, because knowing him, knowing of him, I knew who he was, that was good enough. Um, I don't need any help. I can do it all by myself. I'm very strong. I don't, I don't need anyone I don't need anyone to have pity for me. I don't need to cry I, Every time I felt emotion about something I would always mentally tell myself don't cry don't cry don't cry don't cry And then God your mind is so powerful That in that moment boom the tears fade away and you're strong again, and you're like Okay There's nothing wrong with me. It's them see you're good and uh, It was always my way or the highway. I remember when I was young, your adolescent years, I always used to say, I'm not gonna get mad that they did that to me. Cause guess what? I'm gonna get even. I'm gonna get even and I'm gonna pay them back exactly what they did to me, and I'm gonna be better at it because I'm gonna prepare, I'm gonna have this plan, and I'm gonna be deceitful and lie and have a life full of lies, and and then I found myself like Pinocchio. <laughs> at one point in my life where you tell all these lies and then they're so clever that you believe them. And then you start to live that life. You know, you, you fall into the separate life where your life is full of lies, but you know, God reminds you, hey, if you're that smart and you're very clever and you can make up all these lies and you believe them and they're believable and people believe it, if only you knew how much more you could do aside from that. If only you believed in yourself enough to say yes to me, then your life would be fulfilled. It would have purpose. It would be a calling. You could literally, it's not you convincing them, but me through you speaking to them. You know? So I always thought about that, you know, because... um, when Deacon Doug asked me to come and do my testimony, I remember at that time when he came up to me, I wasn't even like thinking. <laughs> he was just like, I would like to invite you to do this testimony. And I was like, yes. And then when he said that, and, I, and I, he's like, great, that's amazing. I'm so happy for you. We're excited. And when he said, we're excited and we are happy for you, I quickly sat to my seat. I'm like, okay, I need to sit down. It's about to start. The, the, the lecture is going to start. And that night, I felt a huge weight on my shoulders, right after I said, yes. But, to the glory of God, the enemy tried to bring my home down, tried to bring my spirits down. But... I didn't want to do this topic. I didn't want to do this talk, and so I pushed it off. I had, he told me Thursday, I work this week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and I work night shifts, so for my people that work nights, you sleep all day the next day. (laughs) And then if you have a double, you wake up again, and and I work um, at a hospital, so I do 12-hour shifts, so we're exhausted after, even if it's just two back-to-backs, you're tired. So then I said, you know what? It's okay. This problem just arose, and the first thing I did was want to quit. I remember after the, the Thursday, um, when it was altar call, I couldn't get up. I could, that was the first altar call the entire time I've been here to Sour L.A. that I did not stand up and bend my knees and ask for prayer. Because at that moment that I said yes to God, I felt crippled, I felt, a huge weight on me. Something that didn't want me to get up and talk. But I didn't know it then. I just thought, oh, well, um, this altar call, it's not for me. They're not calling me. And, um, And if I'm being transparent, that night, we didn't have music through meditation during the altar call. And something that has always touched me has been worship. When I started my walk with Christ, Songs just hit me different. I feel the words that I, I, I can see myself through that song and it makes me cry and open up And that night it was just like this even if it was, it was still melody, but it wasn't words I felt like it was opportunity for the enemy at that moment to attack me and say There's not gonna be a song today and You're not gonna get up and I'm gonna make sure that you don't get there on Thursday, and you don't talk and so I led into those beliefs, and I allowed that moment to get the best of me. I didn't get up to altar call. But during that altar call, something within me was just like, open up your Bible. If you're not going to get on your knees, and open up your Bible. Scroll through it. Something's going to call your name out. And I remember at that time, I opened up my Bible, and then... Um, I just put like a little bookmark. I didn't even know where it was, what story it was, what profit it was. I didn't know anything. I just put a bookmark. I went home. I had this mess at home. I had a lot of struggles, a lot of difficulties. And then I remember texting Sister Daniela because after Thursday, I still felt guilty, but I was like, but I'm still going to do this. So I spoke to her and I was like, yeah, give me encouragement, pray for me. I'm gonna message you, I'm gonna call you, I'm gonna call you to the Deacon Doug. We're gonna, it's gonna be great, I'm gonna be ready, I'm gonna be prepared. And then I didn't. I didn't call them right away. I didn't ask for prayer right away. I didn't, I didn't think I needed it. And so I was taking it back into my own way, into like, I'm gonna do it my way, I, I got this. I'm smart enough, I can prepare a talk, it's, it's nothing. It's like school, I'm gonna get up here and do a presentation. But it's not. <laughs> when you talk about God, brothers and sisters, it's not, it's not you that's gonna do this message. It's not your own wisdom. It's, yeah, God gives you wisdom, he gives you discernment, but he also speaks through us, not us speaking to you, you know? And so he reminded me that I did need prayer. So I had messaged her and I told her, hey, can I call you? And then she didn't get back to me right away, which no offense, sister, I know you were busy, but I knew at that moment it was my personal trial. It was my struggle. And she didn't message me right away. And so I was like, fine, then I'm not doing this talk. I I can't do it. I'm going through a lot right now. And then I put off Thursday night, I put off because I told myself that Thursday night I'm gonna come home even if it was at 12 in the morning I'm gonna get up there and I'm gonna talk. I'm gonna start reading my Bible I'm gonna practice and then I didn't do it on Thursday. I didn't do it on Friday on Saturday I felt like quitting on Sunday. I was like, I'm not going to church. I don't want to do anything And then comes Monday I'm a crammer. So even though I know (laughs) that I have to do something. I don't know why, but for me, I excel when I cram. And that's what got me through nursing school. I don't recommend it, but it's just something that works for me. Even though I've realized now, and I've accepted it, that God is not something you should cram, you know? Um, So that I understood well when he spoke to me. And um, when I said, you know what? not going to let the enemy come and ruin this opportunity that you said that I needed to do. And I promised you when I came to Sower LA if there was anything in my life that I wanted to do it was to be accountable for something. I wasn't doing the other things that I had goals and had plans on doing in my life but I told myself at that consecration when God called me by my name and he said, you Deborah Lynn you are going to serve me. He told me at the retreat, you weren't ready then, but your heart is ready now. And that's what matters. And before I even came to those consecration classes, um, I told God, I went to This is where I talk, go back to the basic, you know, the guidance of my topic, um, which is the Blessed Sacrament. Um, When I went to a retreat, I went to the women's retreat that um, El Sembrador had in February, the Congreso de Mujeres, if any of you guys went, woo woo, that thing was awesome. Um, (laughs) We're over there killing it, all the ladies in the spirit. And then comes Holy Hour. And then I tell God. And... You know, don't don't mind me the way I have my conversations with God because I kind of see him now more as a friend like as a father, my guidance where I'm open to say to challenge him and that still is a part of stubbornness that I need to get rid of but through the grace and the Holy Spirit I know he's working on me I know I'm going to deliver that one day but still even through those acts God is still excited that you're even challenging him because he's going to tell you Easy. It's not a problem for me. I'll give it to you. You wanna see? Boom. And so at that holy hour, I had seen the consecration to Jesus through Sora LA and I had seen it on Instagram and I was like, I I kinda wanna do that. But LA's bar, (laughs) do I belong there? Is that where you want me to go, God? So in that holy hour, I remember getting on my knees and I remember saying, okay, God, I want to start being accountable for something in my life. I want to follow you. I want to do something. What do I need to do? Talk to me. Give me a sign. Where should I go? What should I do? And I didn't even know Sower LA had a booth at that retreat that day. Uh, it was like a, it was a recession time. Holy hour is over. God didn't speak to me right away. Because by the way, God's timing is perfect. When he speaks to you, it will get to you. Um, which is one of the the... the readings that he put to me, um, I want to share with you guys something that I read in the Bible. And I, I love this Bible. By the way, I bought it at that retreat through El Sembrador. It's very interactive. It's called the um, Catholic Youth Bible. I'll show it to you guys later. It's really cool. You can draw on it. You can journal you, if you're color detailed. And all those are things you like. This Bible's for you. <laughs> I opened it. and it, This was the tab that I put that last Thursday When altar call came and I didn't stand up, I tapped it here and I closed it. And God spoke to me here and he told me, We have grown used to getting things right away. And we become impatient when our expectations are not met. There is a temptation to apply this goal to our spiritual lives. Hoping an immediate and fulfilling relationship with God. Keyword, immediate. Immediate immediate relationship. And we want it fulfilling, of course, but we want it now. But the spiritual life does not work that way. We have to remind ourselves that many valuable things take time. Our growth in faith will also take time, and we need to be open, patient, and trusting as God reminds the prophet from the scripture that I read, Habakkuk, if it delays, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not be late. And at that holy hour, um, after it, it, it passed, you know, it's was like, okay, I felt this calling. I want to do the consecration to Jesus. So then I was like, but I don't want to do it in Spanish. I didn't know so early was there. So I'm like, I don't want to do it in Spanish. I, I want to start in English. Then I was walking to like the recession to the lunch break. And then I run into brother Jesse and I was like, Wait, what are you doing here? This is a women's retreat. <laughs> and he was like, oh, no, sister, like, we have our booth right there. Oh my! like, what? So is here. Oh, my gosh. And so I was like, hey, you know what? I'm, I want to do the consecration to Jesus. I want to do these classes. Um, and I know he, was, he had to go somewhere. So he's like, yeah, go to the booth and get the info over there. And I was like, got it. And so then I walked away, and I was like, I'm going to go to lunch. And then in that moment, I went to lunch. I was like you don't got to do those classes, my, these voices, you know? Why you, you, remember, LA is far. So then they had another testimony and another powerful prayer where then I told God, okay, God, if this is what you really want me to do, then talk to me. Tell me that this is what you want me to do. I don't know, speak to me, give me a word, put something in my heart. And right after that prayer, um, I remember feeling like I needed to go to the booth. And I went to the booth and they told me, yeah, you can sign up here or you could also do it via Instagram. I was like, okay, I'm gonna sign up through Instagram. I'm gonna just do it, I'm gonna just go for it. And when I signed up, um Little did I know that I was going to learn so much from these classes. It was going to teach me so many things that I didn't know. Um, but then I had just transferred departments at the hospital that I worked for. I was no longer going to be a day shift worker. I used to float. I would float different areas in the hospital. And then I was like, I kind of want to change the scene. I'm going to change department. I'm going to change unit. And to my surprise, that job now had to be nights and not days. So that was the first complaint I had. Okay, God, so um, I don't want to do these classes because I'm gonna be tired. I'm gonna be tired from work, I'm gonna put all these excuses, I don't wanna do it. And LA's FAR. It's always LA's FAR. Geez, like why how many times do I gotta say that? And then I told God, okay, well, I just changed departments. I have to submit my schedule. I'm fresh, I'm new. This manager's not gonna let me choose the days I want. And then I told God, but If you want me there, God, then approve all those days. Let's see if I belong there. And then after that prayer, I remember two days later, I get an email from the manager that does the schedules. She tells me, and I already had submitted my days. This was before I even made the decision to go to Sower LA. So I was, I had to work on Thursdays. I just chose different days. And then I get an email where she says, Hey, Demrelyn, you know what? There was a glitch, glitch. In the system, and for some reason, your schedule erased. So, you know what? The schedule already got published. We already, we need you on the floor already. You know, you're gonna go to work this week. Just send me the days you want to work, and I'll approve it. Just—just just give it to me. Give me the schedule right away. So, and I said, "Oh God, you want me to go to Soiree?" LA? <laughs> so I to I got every single day approved and I said, God, if you want me here, then I'm going to hold myself accountable and I'm going to come and I'm going to come every single time and speak to me. And one of the things that um, I really loved about God was every time I found myself asking, asking, you want me to do this? Show me. And he would right away, boom, yes, here you go. One of the scriptures that he really gave me that I really love um, was Luke and this is Luke 11 9, chapter 11 verse 9 through 13 and this is titled The Answer to Prayer and he told me and I tell you Ask and you will receive, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks the door will be opened. What father among would hand his son a snake when he asks for a fish or hand him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? If you then, who are wicked, know who to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So at that sacred encounter, I knew that he answered my prayer and said, "You, yeah, you belong in Sora L.A. This is where you need to be. That was one sacred encounter. Um, another one of my sacred encounters that I had was um, my husband in 2018 got diagnosed and it's still a very touchy subject because it, it was a lot we went through but i'm going to talk about it because for the glory of god god does miracles and i want to talk about it in 2018 my husband got diagnosed with cancer uh, came out of nowhere he was healthy he was be young, I mean, I don't know, how old are you when you were 2018? I don't know, like in his 20s something, <laughs> 27. Um, and so at that time, it was the ending of my nursing uh, program. And I was like, I had heard all the time when we were in nursing school, you know, students, and, and especially the, the professors talk about, remember, this is a, a career that's a service to God. You're gonna go out there, you're gonna go into the world, you're gonna help people. The enemy will try to bring you down, but don't give up. So every semester, there was always, a, you know, I loved that school, we opened up a prayer, we closed with prayer, and every time, there was always a student that had a struggle. And I was blessed through those three years and a half that I was like, oh, I never had a problem. Thank you, God, thank you, I, I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna finish strong. Then my last semester, my last, last, last semester, four months worth of finishing, my husband gets sick, He gets sick with cancer, and it's it's a brain tumor. When you first and then at that time I was already in medical school, so I was like, brain? Oh my gosh, that's everything. That's your whole being. That that runs your entire body. And then they go with the beautiful, you know, um, the typical word. It's a rare one, it's uncurable. And we don't know if it's benign or malignant. Now, for people that don't understand what that means, benign means it's a tumor that's not cancerous, it's not gonna spread, it can remove it, and that's it. But that's scientific. And then malignant means it's a tumor that's gonna metastasize, it's gonna grow, it's gonna attack your whole body, and you can die. That's all they tell you. And so then I was like, no, he doesn't have it. And I remember praying hard and they told me, it's gonna, I was like, well, what can we do? Let's do surgery. They're like, yeah, let's do surgery. We could do it. Let's figure out what kind of tumor it is. He said that that tumor was centered at the very back of his head. It wasn't, this tumor was, by the way, is found in pediatrics in the occipital region, sorry, and his was in the middle region. So it wasn't even attached to the brain. It was in that space where there's fluid, there's ventricles, there's free space. And when they told me that, I'm like, okay, There is hope. So then I said, let's do the surgery. And they said, okay, well, I've got to give you all the risks. I said, give them to me. Because God is going to heal him. I have faith. And then they said, well, he's not going to be able to walk. He might not be able to talk. He might not be able to eat. He might not even remember who you are. I said, okay. Let's do it. Let's do the surgery. Let's sign it. Let's do it today. And I remember that time my husband was going through a trial of faith. And I told him, we're going to be okay. You know why? Because... At a holy hour, a moment of desperation, a moment of weakness, I asked God, God, I believe in you, but please strengthen my faith. Make this miracle happen. Let him live. I didn't even care about the cancer at that point. I just said, just let him live. Give him a chance. Give him another chance. We can figure it out. And I felt this peace. This peace that a human can't give you. This soft, soft voice that wrapped around me and told me, Don't worry, He is with me. And I held on to that faith every single time that He went through chemo. That he went to radiation. That he went through endless procedures. That he went through seizures. That he went through so many things. And guess what? By the glory to God, it's been going to be four years now that my husband is cancer free. His seizures have been controlled. There was nothing for God. It was nothing that he couldn't do. But I asked him. I asked him in that moment of that holy hour, I said, help me, help me believe, help me see. And and there was this beautiful, unexplainable light because I was at a retreat with El Sembrador and it was in Spanish. And those convention centers are huge people. They have a lot of seatings, thousands. And at that moment, I remember the, the father saying, Holy hour is going to come. Don't crowd up in the way of the blessed sacrament. God is everywhere. And remember that day I wanted to get there early because I wanted to pray hard. I want to sit in the front. And for some reason I got there late. There <laughs> was traffic. I didn't get there on time. I was angry. I sat in the dead back corner. In the very back. And the stage was at the far left. <laughs> in the front. Over thousands of chairs. And the Father says... If you have an ounce of faith, believe that God will touch you where you are. That He will meet you where you need. You don't have to run, physically run to Him. Run spiritually. Let your heart open up. Talk to Him. And so I said, and when the Father was saying this, He was at the far, far end. And I was like, okay, fine. I'm going to at least get out of the chairs and I'm going to stand at the edge. At least I'm going to be in the edge. So if he comes, I'm still going to touch him. You know, like I want to touch the blessed sacrament. I want to feel what people say. But I, my mind was, I needed to touch him to get saved. You know, you hear these stories of the hemorrhaging woman. She touched Jesus. All these people back in the day physically touched him. But the New Testament wants to teach us that we need to spiritually be touched and so I remember the father saying close your eyes pray so I closed my eyes and I started to pray God God I want to know you God I want to feel what those people say that you give I want to feel what that love I want to feel something let me see you touch me they say that you come to us, so come to me. Come to me then God, because I want to feel worthy. And I kid you not, brothers and sisters, it was like a split second where I saw this beautiful light. My eyes were closed and I was still praying. And at that moment that I saw this light, it was glowing, it was glistening, it had glitter, it was, it was shiny, it was a light that a light bulb can't even define, it can't explain, it can't compare. I felt uplifted and I felt the presence of a hand touch my shoulder and tell me, be at peace because your faith has saved you. So I want you to know that faith, faith will get shaken. Faith will weaken if we allow it. God gives us the bread, the message to uplift our faith, to speak to us. He's that counselor. He's that guidance that tells you, don't worry. Open the word. Spend time with me. Talk to me. Ask me. Tell me what you want, and I love you so, so much that I will deliver it to you. Because why? Because you're not a mistake. Sower Alley has taught me that God turns your mess into a message. Amen. Amen to that. And I have learned that God has called every single person to be something, to be someone. And I'm not talking about this something, this someone, this earthly figure, this career person, this teacher, this student, this good wife. Don't get me wrong, you got to be a good wives and husbands now. You got to be a good being. But God is calling you to get to know him he told me at another encounter, at the blessed sacrament, he said, you left me. One encounter is not enough. One experience is not enough. You have more I want. You have more I need to heal. And if I'm calling you, it's because I love you. Let me, let me, Debra love you. It's a love that no one can give you it's a feeling that you feel high the last encounter night here at sower la brothers and sisters there was a sister that stood up here and said gave her testimony about drugs and that feeling that high and i remember saying she challenged everyone in this room and said if you want to feel that high ask god and he will give it to you and i remember saying At this altar call, God, I've never done drugs before, but I want to feel that high. What does it feel like? What what is it? What, What do they talk about, God? And I stood on my knees and I asked him, what do I have to do? I'm even willing to do something right now for you. All along, he wanted me to open my heart. That's all he wanted me to do. And I felt this gush of fire pulling out of my soul. A rope filled with fire that he pulled out of my body. And I know and I firmly believe that at that night I had a healing. And he said, I will give you the high, but I want to take. First, the old, the old yeast, the pain, the hurt, the memories. And I want to fill you with this peace, this joy, this love that only I can give you. And at that moment, as I fell down and I praised him and I felt like I was on top of the sky, floating on a cloud, I remember being held like a baby and then myself telling myself that was down, wake up, you're here. He is here in front of you. And I saw these beautiful feet. I didn't get a chance to see higher above, but for me, that was enough. For me, it was enough to see something. And God speaks to everybody in different ways. And the visions he gives you are different from you, from me. Don't expect everything to be like my story. But if I can give you a glimpse of that story, is that I wanted to feel it. And I asked, give it to me. And he gave me that high. And I saw these feet in brown sandals
1: and this white
0: cloak this robe and I said to myself he's here he is here and for anybody that doesn't believe in the blessed sacrament brothers and sisters I invite you tonight challenge that thought ask God I want to feel what they say. I want to feel what it is that you can give me. Take this time to ask him in your deepest, deepest thoughts. What is it that he wants from your life? What is it that he wants to give you tonight? To fill you up with that. Thank you for listening. Please visit SowerLay.com for more information. Don't forget to download the ESNE app or go to JesusTheSower.com to listen to ESNE the Sower. The Sower ministry, moving with confidence.